everybody. Welcome to Alumless. I'm Ryan, and that is Chris. And this is a Chris Marshall Advancement Consulting production. On the show, we discuss alumni and donor engagement and other trends in university advancement. So thanks for checking out the podcast and the web show here on LinkedIn and for making alumnus part of your routine, whether that's a work routine or whether you listen to us when you're working out or whether maybe when you're cooking dinner, you enjoy the sultry sounds of Chris Marshall in your feed uh, while you're preparing uh, whatever meal you're going to have that night. But we're glad you're with us. We are broadcasting live as we try to be every other Friday at 1130 Eastern time. We often get into an energetic discussion going in the LinkedIn comments of the event. So please be sure to say hello and introduce yourself and don't hesitate to ask Chris or myself a question. Uh, better yet, we'd love questions for our special guest today, Julie Sina from UCLA. Uh, if you can't get the question or if we can't get to the question during the LinkedIn live show, we'll be sure to ask it uh, during the bonus segment, which you can hear on our podcast version of Alumless. Okay. Well, Chris, it's good to see you. How's it going? It is going. It's a little bit crazy right now, but uh, all good. Good to see you too. Yeah. Yeah. And you actually caught a little bit of vacation this week. Yeah. Uh, went, took the family to Disney, which is great. I'm actually taking mine to Disney. They don't know that yet. My kids, that is, because it's going to be a Christmas present. Awesome. Uh, but so how was it? How was the happiest place on earth? <laughs> uh, it was happy. It was, uh, we had a lot of fun. The um, favorite ride of the the group were tied for first with uh, the new Guardians of the Galaxy ride, which is unbelievable. I can't even describe it. And then the the, the number one ride rated for the longest time now has been their Avatar ride, where you have this virtual reality experience, which is just mind blowing. It's it was like in, oh, emotional after it was so amazing. So. <laughs> <laughs> a ride that's a you know a mark of a good ride when the yeah. ride brings you to tears. It was so and you're not. Incredible. It wasn't like because it was a thrilling like ride. You 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 feel like you're actually flying, and it's like it's just unbelievable. Um, and, and so part of it was just impressed with the experience, but also the technology that humans created. That thing is just amazing to me. So it's cool. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. And I'm looking forward to going there myself in the spring. So when you're walking around Disney and you've got, uh, you know, obviously family on your mind, but you're also, you know, I'm sure because you enjoy what we do, thinking about work from time to time. Did you ever have any uh, revelations about alumni engagement or even consulting more broadly? Uh, the one thing occurred to me is, um, I did some work previously with uh, the, the Walt Disney uh, Alumni Association, which is a fascinating group. It's all their their interns that are college students that spend a period of time, you know, thousands of them every year working for Disney in some part of the cast. It could be anything, literally. And then they move on. They go back to school. They get a job. Some of them go work. Some go elsewhere. But those that did it are part of an experience that where they were trained, they brought in together, they were trained as a cohort, they worked together very closely. It's a very similar kind of experience as you would have at a college or university. And they formed an alumni association. Hundreds of thousands of them uh, are part of it. So I actually wore a shirt I have that says Walt Disney Alumni Association. I had so many people stop me and ask me about it, but it made me think about that alumni associations, the, the whole concept of what you are an alum of is goes way beyond college, university, or independent school for that matter, it goes to these kinds of things, a corporate experience, uh, you know, intern corporate experience that one had. And 
Uh, it was a really important experience for them, and they were very close, and they use each other as a network, and so very, very similar. That, that was the one thing that struck me over the course of the few days we were there. Yeah, that's a good one. The the alumni st- sort of uh, strategy or the alumni, alumni thinking maybe mm-hmm. yeah, is applicable to that group as well. And um, you know, I'm sure they could use their own engagement strategy from folks like us at at places yep. like Disney. Yep. You know, um, did yep. you reach out? Did you reach out to them or no? I did not. I, I, I tried to be present as much as I could. <laughs> Fair enough. Maybe maybe another time. Uh, well, you know, one of the things that we often uh, do as uh, professionals in the consulting space is, is strategic planning, and that's on the minds of lots of senior leaders in advancement. Something we often get hired to do is to create a strategic planning process with a guiding set of goals for campus-wide alumni engagement. Uh, what is strategic planning work? When is it important? And uh, is it, you know, do you do that in advance of a campaign or when is the right time for that? So the, the vast majority of places don't have strategic plans. So the right time is immediately. They got to, we got to have it because what it does, it forces you to think about what are the most important things that we do and also what are the things that we should not be doing or should say no to or stop doing. That's equally part of the process. And um, so if you don't have one, in fact, you know, roughly 200 clients I've worked with, half of them did not have one. The half that thought they did, um, most of those were annual plans and not really truly a strategic plan. But increasingly, our industry is seeing more and more. And our guest today is going to talk about a process they went through as well. And one of the best in the business for this kind of thinking is, is what's the long term plan? What do we want to be ultimately longer term? as an organization, not what tomorrow looks like. The problem in our industry is that we go from event to event to board meeting to next email that needs to go out and we don't take time to think about, is this moving the needle for us? And is this really having an impact? So if you don't have a plan, the right time is now. If you have one, doing it around campaign cycles makes a lot of sense to me. You know, Leading into one, coming out of one are good times to think about it. But uh, if you don't have one, the time is now and we're here to help. So. <laughs> The time is now and we're here to help. Um, Well, all right. There's lots to talk about uh, with respect to strategic plans. And we are pleased to welcome to the show, Julie Sina, Associate Vice Chancellor for Alumni Affairs at UCLA. And uh, Julie is also the uh, CFO of the UCLA Foundation and UCLA Investment Company. It sounds like you wear a lot of hats, Julie. I do, but it's all good. It's money and people. Great combination. (laughs) Money and people. But Ryan, I got to say, I'm kind of still back on the sultry stylings of Chris Marshall. I need to (laughs) learn a little bit more about what that is all about. (laughs) Well, Julie, I'll have to sit back with you. (laughs) That's a different podcast. (laughs) (laughs) The soothing sounds. Yeah. You know, sometimes they're just soothing. Yeah. I got a voice for for newspapers, Facebook, radio. I like it. a, voice, a voice for newspapers. Yeah. Uh, well, that's not true. We're uh, I'm getting we're getting great feedback on the quality of your of your audio from alumnus from good people, including some of the folks that are on the chat right now. I was just talking with Todd McCubbin at Mizzou, and he was mentioning the podcast this morning. But great to see uh, Patricia and Keith and Tim uh, in the chat joining us. So. Uh, but Julie, let's uh, open things up about the strategic planning process that you went through at UCLA. And I think if I understand it right, you're now revealing that plan mm-hmm. to your stakeholders around campus. Can you share more about your experience and what you're working on uh, in terms yes. of rolling out the plan and um, goals set forth in the plan? Yeah. 
Happy to. It really was a great process. And pro- probably like a lot of folks, we started, and this is, in, Chris, you'll remember this, uh, uh, several years ago, pre-pandemic, yeah. and we were in the early stages of looking at, you know, what what is our North Star, essentially, which is was what we look to as a strategic plan. And then, you know, like many people, on March 13th, I think 2019, it, I'm still in Blur's Day, all the days kind of still blend together. I flew home on March 9th from your, that from meeting. UCLA. That's right. My last client before pandemic, yeah. That's right. And then, then we closed. Yep. And and we, at that point in time, made the decision to take a pause in our strategic planning process. And it was interesting because not, not everybody was in agreement about that. But, you know, one of the things that we talked about was, you know, who at that time when we closed, like everybody thought we'd be back in two weeks. Well, that stretched to almost two years. Right. And so we had some really good conversations around, let's pause this till we have a better sense of how we're going to come out of this because we all had like everybody immediately transitioned to that virtual world, which we were really well prepared for because we had done that virtual alumni day. So, you know, Estelle Lee Frannenberg led that for us and and we, we pivoted very quickly, but at the same time, you know, very quickly realized we're all showing up so differently. So what does that mean, particularly in a, in, in our world, you know, all of our colleagues that focus on relationships and in many cases in person. So how, what is that? How are we going to show up? So, so, the pause was a, that was a big step for us. And when we started to, to come back last, I think it was last spring, we began to, you know, just jump into that process again. But the other thing that's so key for us is, it really shaped our plan, is how data driven, and Chris, you launched that for us in 2013. Uh, we've been collecting really solid data that also helped to inform how we studied how our alumni were engaged. And and I, and I will say, I, I'm so grateful. I was so fortunate to have these two fabulous board members that, that really, uh, led it in many ways. One works at Meta, um, Matt Salcedo, and another is in Netflix uh, and does a lot of marketing analysis partnership piece too. So he'll, yep. And they, from the beginning, really pushed us to think about how we worked. And then the third colleague that was really involved in that is Patricia Wynn, who's now with, with the UC, and really together from our data informed, uh, built what is a foundation around uh, a lifespan model, an archetype model. And we came out of it. And from the very beginning, they were like, hey, look, first of all, Chris, and you alluded to this, one of the things that Matt and Sahil said to me at the beginning is, Julie, first of all, you're doing too much. You're all over the place. And being the good alumni professional I am, I said, oh, we're not doing enough. <laughs> and they were like, no, you've got to, we've got to really focus and really pare down what it is that we're doing. And so that, that from the beginning, you know, also guided some of the things that we were thinking about. But um, uh, we ended up with two priorities and a strategic plan that doesn't exceed five pages. And, you know, Chris, it's, it's kind of short term. So that's a little bit different from what you're putting out there. We're, we're looking at a three-year time frame with an agreement to very fluidly come back and, and have a conversation, again, with very measurable and clear outcomes. Um, but again, two priorities. And they are, one is to, I'm going to get them right here. One is to reimagine alumni engagement. Again, we acknowledge we're all showing up differently. And really focusing more on content and experiential opportunities through the Bruin Promise. And happy to talk about that in a minute. And then the second priority, which was really interesting for us, is is aligning and amplifying the Alumni Association identity. And what we mean by that is we're reinventing our brand, is that when we surveyed over 200,000 alumni, 
one of the things that they said was, yeah, you know, we, we like the Alumni Association. You guys are cool, but we love UCLA. And so really making our brand and our identity much more about the university's identity. So we're working very closely with our strategic communication colleagues, which is a separate division from where we're located. Uh, and they're also focused on very much an experiential communication model. And we're very closely aligned now in what we're doing. So it's, it's moving beyond a network, moving into meeting alumni where they are. And again, using that guided by what that, that, a life stage mod model is in terms of shaping alumni engagement. So I'm just a little excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Could you share a little bit more about the life stages model? I mean, you, now that you brought it yeah. up, I think it's a great um, uh, sort of, you know, a way to, to formulate a new plan, but I'm not sure everyone sort of knows specifically what, maybe what that means. Happy to, Ryan. And, and Chris may remember this because, again, a lot a lot of where we landed, um, and, and I would say this even if Chris wasn't here, and I say it often, was really the foundation we have is that 2013 review that Chris did for us. And that really served as a remarkable strategic plan for us. But one of the things that we talked about then is, is looking at how we intentionally, you know, hire those that work within our team. And I specifically look to hire student affairs professionals. Uh, because I don't know why I had to whisper that, but student affairs professionals, uh, because I'm a recovering student affairs professional. And that work is all about building and sustaining relationships and community, right? And so one of the first folks I hired was Patricia. And uh, so we began to really look at our alumni work more aligned with student affairs work, which is going to answer your question now, uh, which really in many ways is based in developmental theory you know, around students and student development. So we worked, uh, you know, gathering our data around that. And also I want to acknowledge a really solid partner in that space, which is Sarah Shute from the University of Wisconsin, because we discovered Sarah and her team were doing some of the same work. So we began to look at what if we thought about alumni um, engagement and development aligned with a student development type model. And there's a lot of work done already in the career engagement space around that. And so we began to gather data, again, as Krista suggested for us that we needed to do in 2013. And so we've got a lot of data by now. So we began to look at how and where are alumni engaging? When are they coming in? When are they coming out? When do they have time to do this? What does this look like for them? What are the things that they're interested in at various stages in their life? And began to think really solidly about programming around that. And also the nuances of how we communicate with our alumni uh, based on what they're doing and where we see their patterns of engagement and how that evolves over time. Uh, and I'm, I'm happy to share those with anybody who might be interested. But so we look at it decade by decade. And then we also created what or we created primarily Patricia Sahil and, and Matt, but we created what we call our archetype model. So it takes that information that we gathered around the engagement and how people are engaged at various stages of their lives, building beyond, building on that student development piece, because we also work with our students, like many of our colleagues. And uh, how to, like, for example, we have, we have one phase that we call the reader. The reader is somebody who may not ever show up for an event, but they sure like reading about all the stuff that we do. And we, again, we do that because like all of our colleagues now, we're looking at all of our open rates, who opens what, who, what are, what are our trying to keep us from that unsubscribe space. Uh, again, they may never show up, but they show up in that space. Uh, and so there's a there's a whole series base that align, you know, what those interests are with the engagement at various points in our lives. So that, that really guides how we, not only what we do, but how we communicate. 
and then probably the key tactic coming out of the strategic plan is something we call the Bruin Promise, which was something that the chancellor actually came to the Alumni Association and asked us to do. Again, so much we learned through the pandemic in terms of how we're able to now show up for our alumni, where time zones and geography don't matter anymore, right? Because we've got technology that that creates this kind of new space for us. But how do you build and sustain relationships through that through that modality? And so the Bruin Promise is really it's a it's a really exciting site that we're going to be launching hopefully next month that creates opportunities uh, in, a, in a kind of a challenging way, uh, but for our alumni community to be connected throughout again their lifespan to opportunities at UCLA that are not, you know, guided by our organizational structure. So it takes everything that's going on in, at UCLA. And we, again, through our strategic planning and our researching process, we have four main funnels, you know, and there's there's career, professional development, lifelong learning, health and wellness and arts and culture. So everything that goes on to UCLA at UCLA is, is folded through one of those funnels. And it's a very active site that you can look for something that appeals to you. It'll bring up what you're kind of an Amazon style. Here's what you looked at yesterday. Here's what's up there for today. Uh, so, and again, it, it's not it's not about our organizational structure, but it's about how can people connect either virtually or live or in-person events changed up almost every day. And then also includes interviews with various influencers. So at any point, wherever you are, we're going to help figure out with you what are things that that how UCLA can be in your life at any moment in time. Um, and our colleague, Lisa Lewis at Minnesota, was also very helpful to us because they, they have a version of this that, that we use sort of as a base to then grow into. And that Bruin Promise is a commitment that UCLA is there for you and will show up for you and will be present for you wherever you are at any point in your life. And here's how you can do that. And you don't have to pay for it because it's all virtual. Yeah, I think it's it's great, a great model. And I understand it a bit more too, as, as you're not specifically talking about programming for people at different ages. Right. But you're also talking about pe programming for people at different uh, engagement points in their lives. You said the, the reader is a good right. example. And you're layering these categories, these themes of content, career, right. arts and culture across those life, uh, those life stages and, and, uh, and creating categories, which I think is great. Chris, you know, as you're sort of listening to, to Julie describe the approach there, you know, it's, can you, what uh, sort of stands out and are there any sort of drawbacks to this, to anything that you heard? I, I think it's brilliant. The, the whole meet alumni where they are, I'm no, noting Tim's comment, Tim, another student affairs person in the, in the comments, Julie, uh, recovering student affairs person. Also, Scott Francis on there too. We, we, we need an alumni association for that. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> right. I, I, well, to Ryan, your question, I think it's brilliant. First of all, um, the, the downsides to it, you're going to have some, People who have engaged through traditional means question any change, frankly. Another one that, you know, but I think Julie has a pretty, I've met many of her board leaders and they're phenomenal, you know, brilliant people coming out of these industries where, so if you're on this call and you're not in Julie's shoes with half a million alumni and enlightened alums on your board, how do you get your board to think or your staff to think this way would be a challenge because it's, it's a new way, a new mode of thinking about engagement. And frankly, uh, you know, the old ways worked through many, many years, up, up in, even until the pandemic in some cases. But the old, what year did you graduate? Where do you live? Zip code and class year aren't going to fly as we keep going forward. As our classes get more diverse, or as our student body gets more diverse, and our graduates come out in three, four, five, six years, et cetera, the old modes aren't going to work. So doing what Julie is doing at UCLA is going to be a thing that, that, that I think we're going to see more and more, first of all, especially at larger places. And as it's scalable, smaller places can do it too. But Julie has the benefit of having a, 
a nice size staff and budget. If you're at, you know, Kutztown where Tim is, he's the he's the only person on the team. So how does a one-person shop do it or two-person shop? I think they have now. So anyway, uh, short answer, Ryan, is it's brilliant. Uh, downsides are convincing people that are are holding on to the old traditional models that this is a new way, a new approach that we should be trying and testing. Yeah, and, and Chris, we've we've thought about that because you know one of the things that we're also doing is, you know, again, I think we were all challenged as we programmed the last couple of years is when you've been network and chapter driven, you know, right. Right. Um, and, and, and over the last couple of years, you know, we really opened up our thinking around how, how can we engage people? It's not, it's not always driven by geography anymore. Exactly. Right. And you've so, done some amazing work in this area. One of the first um, uh, DACA groups I heard uh, was came, yeah. came out of UCLA, uh, another yeah. first generation affinity groups, things like that, that we're, yeah. You know, didn't see previously, and you guys were doing it for the last. Well, and that that and that's interesting because that's one of the conversations we're having now is we have a really strong uh, diversity program area that again, you know, Patricia Patricia was the lead to to build that up, and one of the the challenges that we've put in front of our team that's been working with as well as our networks. In fact, we've got a a, a meeting coming up. Our our board created a diversity advisory committee several years ago that brings together all of our networks that that wow. that live in that in that space, and but. <laughs> It's it's been terrific, and we've created groups that have, have found that space to come together. Uh, however, uh, it's very Southern California based, and so and again, we have like a lot of folks. We have about two hundred thousand alumni that live in LA County. Uh, so yeah, I know a lot of our folks stay very close proximity to the universities that they graduated from. However, as as we, we've been talking, obviously we have diverse alumni that live everywhere. So how can we take the work and the programs that we've been doing and, and make them available to our alumni wherever you live. We've, we did that over the last couple of years virtually. So how can we have, how can we take what we do content wise and do that hybrid for our alumni wherever they live? So that, that's that challenge there. And, and we, I actually had our, our good friend, Patrick Auerbach from SC came and talked with our staff because they made an interesting choice, a very challenging choice around how they work with chapters and networks. And, you know, and, and they're, they're still thriving, right? And so I wanted our staff to be a part of that conversation because when you look at the number of alumni that we work with that are in that network space and what that bottom line is, we're not reaching a whole lot of people, right? Uh, and again, but the doesn't take away from the value and the experience and the worth of those opportunities that it provides to the people that are engaged there. But how do we really rethink again? That's where we get back to the Bruin promise of making that kind of content available. But as you said, Chris, it's, it's in a different kind of a space. Right. And if you're on the call, Ryan, I know you want to get to your questions, but if you're on the call, listening to the podcast and you want your board to start thinking in a new way, have them watch this half hour, listen to this half hour, even the bonus half hour that'll come after Segment and hear from a pro, hear from Julie and what they're doing at UCLA. It's going to help you um, get them convinced this is the right way to head. Yeah, this Chris, this was, and you know where our board has come. That's a that's a whole different podcast, right? But uh, it's uh, this is really volunteer leadership driven, and I can't emphasize that enough. So, and it took us a while to get to this place, and did, that did not happen overnight. Uh, but that that's also the value add there. You know, one experience we had early on, and Chris, I know you're familiar with this, when we when we really shifted even back in 2013, how we work, and we really focused at that point in time and really rebuilding or building 
uh, program that that would be appealing for our younger alumni, given the large percentage of our alumni that are still under the age of 40. That would not be me, of course, but that's that's a whole group of people. And we did have people, though, that came to us in their 50s, 60s and above and said, hey, don't forget about us. So we created this whole program that still lives today and is very successful called the Second Act, which is geared at alums in 50 plus. And I remember our first program, which we're actually doing again, uh, uh, of course, updated it is so you think you have another gig in you, which is so you want to reinvent yourself and have a different career. You know, uh, how do you recraft your resume? How do you do that? We've done all so, and we another one we did. So you think you have a book in you? Uh, we brought in authors who wrote wrote their first book. You know, 50, 60, 70 and above. So, so our our alumni are pretty good at giving us feedback when we deviate or or don't or aren't meeting their needs. So look forward to how that's going to roll out with this one. With that in mind, Julie, like as you think about this content-led strategy, right, which I think is fantastic, and we could we could talk about it for a long time. What will all this mean for the resources and how you're thinking about deploying them? You know, one area that needs bolstering when you have a content-led strategy is things like creating little TikTok videos, Instagram yeah. Reels, uh, expertise in virtual events. Uh, you know, a lot of things, and those are not necessarily skill sets uh, right. for folks who have been planning in-person events for most of their careers. So what does the future look like and how are you thinking about it? That, that's a that's a great point. We had speaking of TikTok, uh, one of the things that we've started to do, and this has been really great for us, is with our strategic communications colleagues. Uh, again, they've really changed how they work as well. And they do these monthly reports on, on how we're doing on all of our channels. And I, I received the first report and their TikTok is off the chart. And at the time we hadn't lost our launched our TikTok. TikTok, I can't even say it, TikTok <laughs> channel anymore. Probably right. couldn't TikTok. But anyway. Um so Chris, you know Brandy, who leads does a fabulous job of leaving our social leading our social media team. And I went to her and said, Where's our TikTok channel? And she's like, ha, ah, Julie, you know, do you know how much time that takes? You know, blah, 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 blah. So we we have started, we've started slowly, but we've done it in a partnership. So it's 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 having to, it's really challenged us to readjust with our own resources. But you know, specifically to your question around, you know, obviously I I Chris noted that we're we're well resources, which we are, but there's still some. We, we have those limits. Couldn't create a bunch of new positions, right, to do this. And so doing some repurposing. And uh, for example, because we're going to be, we're still going to support our networks and our chapters fully. Uh, but we've repurposed a few folks on that team to work specifically on this Bruin Promise initiative. And because that that website is going to be a beast, you know, it's got to be fed every single day. And uh, part of our strategic planning process, which again, as I think all good strategic planners do, we spent a lot of time meeting with, we had, we had over 20 stakeholder meetings across campus, including with our chat, with our chancellor and other folks. And so we do believe that, that that was also part of building the interest around this site. And gee, we're not asking you for anything, but we sure School of Medicine and the two content managers we met with, we'd love, they're doing amazing things. We'd love to show your content on this channel. And so that's, that's how we're, we, we do believe if we build it well, it will come. And, but it's also continuing to cultivate those relationships with our deans and our academic partners around, we'd, we'd like to promote your events. We want to promote these lectures. We want to promote these experiences. Uh, so, but I need, I needed to staff that up to do that because the expectations will be high around that, right? Uh, so have um, repurposed, uh, to staff, and then when we had an opportunity to hire somebody to, at a level, brought somebody back who had been in, in our communications team a while back. So now we have three people that are going to be working on that site. I'm, I'm not sure that's gonna be enough at the end of the day, if it's as successful as we hope it will be. So it's really looking at 
you know, post pandemic, like I'm sure we all are, you know, how are we showing up? How are we programming? How are we supporting? And what are we not going to do to pivot to do the things that we need to do in terms of how we're showing up now? So that's how I repurpose the staff. Having the uh, someone from Netflix on your board when you're thinking about a content-driven strategy on demand is kind of helpful. So that's oh, amazing. Seems, yeah. seems like a nice advantage. And as I think of that sort of a North Star, right, that's, yeah. there's something there, right, with respect to content on demand. And again, I, I think the our Alumni Association president, and Chris, I don't know if you remember Ann Wang, she won the Forbes 30 under 30 competition. She's barely 30 now <laughs> and uh, has, has moved completely into a, a brand building role. So she brought in some amazing folks to help us rethink that at our recent retreat. So the the board is really poised to to think differently and to really, and, and the what I really appreciate, and, and Chris, you can appreciate when I say this is, I just so appreciate the the partnership of this group and their passion for doing this work. So it's just a, it's, it's, but we had to build that up. We really had to build that up. And, and, you know, I think how we socialize that with the staff because the staff haven't been as involved in that process. So we had a couple of really good sessions over the summer where the, where Patricia and then the board members came in and, and did the socializing. So it was, it wasn't me doing that. It was the volunteers that led that. We're going to actually, we have a question specifically about uh, Patricia and working with the UC system plan for the bonus section. So Patricia, you're going to want to listen to the podcast version this week. Uh, and um, we're going to talk about some other stuff too. We're going to talk about quiet quitting in our field and what that's all about. You know, it takes part of executing a big strategic plan, right? Julia is making sure you've got the staff and the energy and yeah. uh, you can't have uh, low morale. Uh, but Chris, before we leave the live show, would you tease our episode in two weeks time? Another fun conversation. Dwayne Wiles from the University of Tennessee will be our guest in two weeks. He's fantastic. We're going to have a Another wide-ranging set of topics we'll cover. Uh, Dwayne uh, spent a previous career at Florida Atlantic University, I believe, or International, FIU, yeah, 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 yeah. International. Yeah. Uh, but he's been the last several years at University of Tennessee uh, running a, a very large shop uh, at a major institution. He's fabulous. He and I had the opportunity to co-chair uh, the institute group for CAE with Dwayne, and he's just he's one of my favorite partners to work with. Yeah. He's terrific. He'll be on with us in two weeks. Looking forward to it. Thanks I'm, to all the guests. He'll be wearing orange. He will. Yeah, I'm sure. He will. I want to say thanks to the guests that have joined. Um, uh, Patricia, I know you're on uh, and we've shouted out to you. Patrick's on as well, listening from across town. The U USC spying, uh, Julie, that's what's happening <laughs> right now as we speak and many others. So Patrick's heart is blue and gold. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we're going to sign off from here. We're going to hop over to uh, our Zoom window to do a, a podcast recording, another 30 minutes with Julie. And uh, thanks for everyone listening live. Happy Friday to you. We'll get the podcast version of Alumnus in your feed, uh, hopefully uh, over the weekend, if not sooner. Maybe I'll get it done today. Well, who knows? Uh, but so long, everybody. See you again soon. Bye. All right, we are back with uh, Julie Sina from UCLA, Chris Marshall. We are a great live session with a good chat. And uh, we were just reflecting about how dialed into Julie's strategic planning process we are and how exciting it is uh, to hear about a school, an alumni association, a, a alumni strategy that's 
uh, so forward thinking and really, uh, it's really great. But um, Julie, in the bonus section here, which folks have to listen to intentionally, they can't just find us. They actually have to listen <laughs> to our, our podcast version. Uh, we also like to ask our guests because they often have a history of working with uh, Chris Marshall. I always <laughs> like to tease out uh, what that was like. Uh, and so maybe you can actually, I think your story goes back, uh, almost 10 years, right. To the first time that you guys worked together, maybe you could share just a little bit about that. Well, and see, I don't understand why Chris doesn't age. I mean, he still looks the same as when I met him in 2013. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you that that's, that's, I'm still using my product. So. <laughs> no, but we, it, it, I, and, and I would say that's again, if Chris wasn't wasn't even here, and he knows I say this about him all the time, is the work that Chris did with UCLA was was transformational. And uh, we were at a really challenging time in 2013, and the board was was blowing up. And uh, and what had happened was they there was a those small group on the board, as often happens, that were asking they were asking some they were asking the right questions. But the way that they were doing it really evolved into what, frankly, was bullying of the staff. And uh, and what happened was the other half of the board decided to take things into their own hands. And so we had a meeting that March. <laughs> I think it was March. And uh, um, and even when when we knew that the board was not doing so well, Rhea Turtletop, our vice chancellor and the board president at the time, who I saw the other day, Chris, uh, agreed that in the way they framed it was we need to do a review of the organization, external review, which is common practice, right, in, within higher education. Yeah. Uh, but the subtext around this was they what was that what was told to the board was we're going to commit to doing an external review as we prepare to go into campaign mode. And but the subtext was we know things were really tough. Uh, and in fact, the executive director at the time was 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 taking a bit of a leave to step away from what had become a really tough situation. And so uh, uh, Rhea reached out to, Rhea Turtletop reached out to, to Chris to ask him if he would, would come to UCLA to do this review. Well, I think both Chris and I were just blown away by the meeting we both witnessed because what happened at that meeting was the the board who was determined to right right size things uh, had decided that they were going to ask for the president of, of the association, the chair of the board at the time, to step down. And being the good politicians that they are, in fact, Jennifer Polakitas, who was on that board, who made the motion for Randy to step down, is now uh, an associate vice chancellor for government community relations at UCLA. So, so politics is 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 her background, and so they had engineered that meeting to ask for the the, the president to step down. So what Chris then was tasked to do was to do a very deep dive review of what's it going to take to right size the ship, and the review was painful. You know, I'm not going to going <laughs> to lie about that. It was really painful. And uh, because it exposed what was wrong with the organization, there was a lot wrong. But what came out of it, and I still say this to this day, what Chris did at the time was write a report that for me is still the very best report I've ever seen by an external consultant. And it served for us at UCLA uh, as our strategic plan. You know, it was a consultant report that quickly turned into a strap plan for us because what Chris was suggesting was, again, here's what it would take to right-size the organization. And uh, and I'll never forget when Chris and I had breakfast with Rhea uh, to go over the report. She was very emotional about it. 
Um, because as a leader, you know, she acknowledged, hey, well, I appreciate this. This still happened under my watch. And so it made her even more determined. If anybody knows Rhea, Rhea, Rhea likes to be number one at everything, which is why she is the one of the number one fundraisers in the country. I always tell people, don't take your wallet when you go meet with her because she's going to get some of that. <laughs> um, but uh, she's really good at what she does. And uh, when she came to meet with the staff to go over the strat plan, I'll never forget it. And I'll stop talking soon, I promise. Or you just got to cut me off. Uh, but I'll never forget it. I don't think Chris was in the room that day. Uh, but one, I do have to one when Chris was interviewing the staff, I'll never forget this. He said to he told both Rhea and I one of the, his experiences when he was meeting with the staff, he had one staff member raise raise their hand saying, well, why why are you doing this? We're not in external affairs. So the alumni team at the time didn't even identify that they were part of the external affairs, which is our advancement team uh, organization. That's how bad it was, both internally, not only the board, the staff was part of that, too. So the first day that Rhea came to meet with uh, the staff, we set the meeting for eight o'clock. Well, but the staff at the time, they didn't get to work till nine o'clock or so. So they made the vice chancellor wait. And you don't make Rhea wait. <laughs> so she was not, she was, and I said, I said, Rhea, this is the how they roll, you know? I was just there for that month. <laughs> I, that's the thing. I was there for a month. all in the first month you were in this. First month I was there. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. So, and Rhea went through the plan. And at one point, somebody raised their hand and said, you know, Rhea, this is this is really not good news. The staff, the staff are looking really unhappy. Can't you say something good? And Rhea looked at me and she, you know, she took a powerful silence and then turned to the staff and said, nope. It's bad. And at the time, we were, um, Chris showed us how we ranked and, and compared to our peers and we were at the bottom. And I remember one, we were at the bottom in the, in not even the bottom is generous for our work in social media. Cause we weren't doing anything at the time. And Rhea used as an example, she goes, UCLA is not last at anything people. And so she made it very clear. We were going to implement this. And I, I think the one regret I have, and then I, and again, I, I'm sure you've probably heard me say this, Chris is at the time I was there for a month <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, and then Rhea said, look, you know, we, we've, we, I'm going to need some more time because we've got to really get, and Chris had given us such a clear map, you know, we need to follow this, this guidance and can you please stick with it with a little while longer? So I said, okay. Um, but the, the one thing that I regret is I thought, I thought at that time I was going to be in the organization for a year. So I took that strat plan that report that Chris had given us and I implemented it all in a year. That is a lot of change. You know, I thought, I thought, you know, let me be the, let me be the change yeah. agent here. And then I'm going to step away and somebody else can come in. Hmm. Well, we had that lined up and then Rhea came back to the board meeting where she allegedly was going to tell people, I think you were at that meeting, Chris, where she was going to allegedly tell people, it's kind of an upgrade date of everything that we had done. And we had, we had run with that plan. I mean, run with that plan completely restructured, repro did did all the stuff Chris advised. It was really great stuff. And so, and she was going to tell people, okay, now we're going to do a search. Well, she, we walk, and I've even lined up some people for her. We walked out of the room and um, she said to me, I'm not going to tell them that I'm going to replace you. And I said, oh, I think you are. <laughs> but, you know, here I am. Well, I don't, so, I don't, so did you, again, 
why did you think that you were going to be only there for a year? Because things were so bad that the things they had to do next, you knew you were going to be such a bad person that you, your leadership there wouldn't be sustainable well, after that. Is that, well, you know, a couple, a couple of things. That's a great question. And, um, because one of the things I also learned, you know, Chris, Chris also gave me a short list because, you know, alumni affairs work, like we said in the podcast, I, I really think is so aligned with student affairs work. It's relationship building. It's, um, I'll remind me to come back and tell you what I think you'll find a funny story about that. But anyway, um, so he gave me a short list. He said, Julie, you know, if you're going to be in this space, here's some colleagues that I really recommend you you talk with. One of the first people um, Chris recommended is, is which I'm so grateful for, is the person who I think I think is really the very best in the country. That's Howard Wolf at Stanford. And so I called Howard and Howard, being Howard, said, Julie, I'll talk to you. But first, you've got to answer a couple of things. <laughs> and. Like yeah, exactly. And one of the things I learned, again, like the student affairs space is the alumni alumni world is such a small world, which I'm really grateful for. And Howard said, look, Julie, and he said, you need to know this is a small world. And my predecessor is still a very dear friend, Ralph, who's now at, at Caltech, Ralph Famous. Uh, he said, Ralph's beloved in this space. And what happened at UCLA is it right? So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions and you're going to answer them for me. <laughs> <laughs> and so we had a really great conversation, but it also, you know, our alumni community knew what, what our good friend, you know, had experienced and what a tough, tough year had become. So who's going to take that job? If we had done a search, which we actually did try to do one, um, the, the word was out. Don't go to UCLA. <laughs> hmm. And, um, so we we knew that. And so Rhea said to me, you know, Julie, can can you give it a year? And let's let's get it right. Let's take Chris plan. Let's run with it. And then a year from now, when things are better, uh, we'll have a successful search. And uh, so so I thought we were poised for that. And that's why I was willing to be the change agent, because, you know, then somebody could come in. And, I've, and I, it's probably not a big surprise to you. I've done that before in my career. So I um, I thought, OK, somebody can come in. And, uh, but when she saw him, how enthusiastic the board was and, and things were, we were doing exciting stuff. We had turned the ship, you know, we, you know, one of the first areas that we dove into that were still really successful is the career space. And again, that was Chris's recommendation because one of the things we heard, he heard through the review was that was one of the biggest criticisms our alumni had of us at that time. They didn't have a good experience with the career opportunities here. They still don't, Chris. And uh, we needed to better serve our alumni. So we now have a career team that Gloria Code leads beautifully of like 10 people. So it's huge. Uh, again, that's that's one of the recommendations there. So when she came in and saw how, how great everybody was feeling about everything, um, her sense was, I, I can't tell them that. That I'm going to do a search. And then seriously, I did say, I think you can. And um, so, you know, that's, that's how I ended here. But uh, the other critical mistake I made was that because I, I was convinced I would be here for a year and uh, somebody else would come in that I wanted that person to have the opportunity to hire their number two. So I still years later have a very flat organization and don't have a number two. Hmm. So that's, that's, if I, those, that's, that's something I'd be critical of myself for. <laughs> so you would have slowed it down a little bit knowing yeah. you were going to be in the role longer and you would have early on, perhaps right away, put in yeah. a number two so you could yeah. have had somebody helping you execute. Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah. Great insight there. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's the relationship, Ryan. Again, it is funny that I will tell you my quick funny story is, um, 
the dean of students at UCLA called me the other day because there was an alum who's doing some pretty, pretty horrible things to a student on social media. And she said, look, somebody suggested I reach out to you. Do you ever have conversations with alumni who are engaged in this kind of behavior? I, I said, yes, I do. I said, thank goodness, not very often. And so I said, here's, here's, here's typically what I do. I explain what I do in those kinds of situations. And she was so funny. She goes, oh my God. And I said to her, I said, <laughs> her name is Jasmine. She's fabulous. Jasmine. I said, they, they may be older, but they don't change <laughs> from when they're students. So anyway, so you're always, always doing a little bit of that kind of work. Um, but, um, but anyway, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it is what it is, but it's a, uh, Chris's work was really transformational and is still evident in the organization we are today. And I, I tell anybody that who will listen to me. Thank you. Yes. That was a very, very, very good plug. Um, <laughs> best report ever. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. I've always still said is. my number one marketer. She's I've gotten more business from Julie saying a version of that mm-hmm. just about any other way. So yeah, it Thanks. was such a map for us. And again, again, I know the the intention was it to be the it was a review, but it really, really serves as a strategic plan for us until we checked everything off on the list. Yeah, I remember when you told me that the first time. Made me feel really good about the work. Not too often you get that kind of direct feedback about yeah. how it played yeah. out in the long run. So yeah, it was great. Julia, we wanted to talk a little bit about quiet quitting. We we teased it in the tail end of the of the first half of the show, and you know I, I sort of googled it and read a couple articles about it and read you know there's a, an assessment or it's a fifty percent of people are essentially doing the bare minimum in their jobs, and mm-hmm. it's on top of the job market that's kind of crazy with labor right now. But you know what? Did, what are you seeing with the with your staff at UCLA industry wide when it comes to this notion of quiet quitting and and what should we do about it? You know, I I struggle with the term because yeah. I don't know about you all, but I don't see anything quiet about it. Poses <laughs> <laughs> a lot of problems. I'm yeah, I mean, making you know, a loud really? statements. Yeah, when you're no, not. you all don't think we know you're doing that. You know, it's <laughs> nothing quiet yeah. about it. Uh, and and I think the 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 you know, in some ways, it's been a long time coming. You know, you look at so many of the conversations we had during the pandemic, where we really focused on, thank goodness, on on mental health issues and and the notion of self care and how do you do that. I think that's all wrapped up in some of that is folks saying, look, I'm I'm going to make wiser choices in terms of what my lanes are at work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also see, and this is just my experience, a bit of defiance about it. You know. I'm owed that, or, you know, I'm, you know, just defiance is the word I can say. Do, do you uh, think working in our space is less attractive now? Well, I think it depends. I think it depends. And I think one of the challenges for us is that, and particularly for for me, it's kind of a generational thing, you know, when, whether as the recovering student affairs person or being in this alumni space, there's sort of a, and, and I don't think it's right, but there's sort of been a badge of honor around you know, I work so many hours or all the nights and all the weekends, blah, 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 blah. You know, that's never been right. And and I remind people, at least in the UCLA, in our alumni association is, folks, we've always been hybrid. You know, I've always encouraged these folks, given if they truly are, and that's the question, if they truly are working those crazy hours that sometimes we work, offset it, you know, say, hey, 
you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be in at noon tomorrow, or I'm going to, I'm going to alter my schedule this way. You know, I, and, and I, and I always, anybody even emails me, I say, you don't need to tell me as long as I know you're coming back. That's good. That's all I need to know. Uh, but take care of yourself, set your schedule. That's always been part of this culture, but there's been a real defiance element of that. Now I had a staff member told me who once they had committed to something recently. Oh, I, I can't do that now because it interferes with my work-life balance. And I said, okay, you know, you, even though you had committed and you had done all this work for me, now this doesn't work for you. No, it interferes with my work-life balance. So I, I couldn't respond appropriately, I didn't think, so I just chose to walk away at that moment. <laughs> but but I think, you know, the, the notion of it is balance in work and a reasonable schedule and, and what works best for, for, for the employee, for the staff, for the culture of the organization. I think those are things that we all always ought to be top of mind and things that we talk about. But this, this, and I see the movement, you know, again, for me, it's, it's generational. And I have had that conversation with some of our staff around, you know, look, it's, it's time to adjust. It's time to adjust how we think and what's reasonable, you know, and let's call that out. Uh, but it's, um, it's, you know, and I, and I think there's also what I see happening sometimes too is, is, you know, sort of the, the, the pods, if you will, of various staff that will kind of rally around some of these issues and decide we're not going to do this and all of that. I mean, I do my best to try to gather people together and let's have a conversation about it or let's talk about how that that's really always been a part of this culture. Take care of you, you know, and do let's work a schedule out together that's best for you. And I think that's just tough in the in the the way that we've we've typically worked in these fields and the pay hasn't kept pace with that i mean one of the things that that we decided recently was which i really appreciate i have a really great colleague that leads our employee engagement team organization engagement team hr uh, but she she and i took a look at salaries and we've now lifted the it amazed me the, when I first got to alumni back when Chris and I were here in 2013, the salaries of alumni at UCLA, how people could live and work at UCLA, just, and we were at any time we did those surveys, like the ELF surveys or GG&A, we were ranked at the bottom. We're no longer at the bottom. Uh, I think it does help to have the person in charge of money in charge of alumni too. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> but really looking at how do we how do we make sure that what we're asking people to do is reasonable, what we're paying them is reasonable. They see a trajectory for themselves. I think all of those things are are so important, and I think that's the, the flexibility yeah. of building a lifestyle around. Yeah, the yeah. they come in at noon the next day. Yeah. I know some shops where they don't say that. We'll see you at eight o'clock tomorrow morning. Oh yeah, you know it's Sunday night and they're still busting their hump on an event or whatever's going on. And yeah, I, I've always been an advocate for flex scheduling. Yeah. Like well, it's also because we, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Chris. I was just, you know, we're so event based yes. historically. And when do we have events? Mm -hmm. We have them nights and weekends when our people can come to them. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the whole business is built on planning all your stuff when people aren't working and yeah. then performing and having those events yeah. when when they're not working. And so we're always working. Right. And it's really not until you shift the model yeah. to what you're talking about, Julie, yeah. with the content led and less yeah. in-person event based, we're actually going to be able to rewrap your arms around things in a yeah. way that will be a better work-life balance. You know? And Ryan, that's exactly right. I think to me, that's the other, when I look at that tactic of the Bruin Promise being a real driver outcome of the strategic plan is I think if, if, if and that's part of what I'm saying to the staff, you know, as I'm repurposing is, you know, because I, I, I just, you know, I don't think you went to school to be an event planner. Yeah. 
Let's talk about what we can do that's experiential and content driven driven that you can deliver to our alumni, wherever they are, whatever time of day they want to utilize it. So let's take that challenge on. Uh, I, you know, and again, not that, I mean, working the name tank table can be a really noble thing because you get to know everybody's names and you're the person that sets the tone, you welcome them. But I think we can empower our volunteers to do that too. Uh, so it's, 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 cause you've also got to, you know, cause then you also get the pushback, particularly among the quiet quitting generation of, did you not value what I was doing? <laughs> well, no, I, I totally value what you're doing. And one of the first things when I talked, when we did our first session with the staff on the strategic plan. This summer, I, I said, look, I'm going to call out what I think is the so-called elephant in the room. Is nobody's job is at stake. You, I want to make sure that each and every one of you have a full-time and hopefully fulfilling job for you as we transition through this process. So let's just, let's just say that out loud, because the first thing when we talk about repurposing is, oh, Who's that going to be? Who's Julie going to fire? Well, Julie ain't fired anybody in a long time. Um, so let's um, let's 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 put that out there first. That's a solid. So let's work on this together because uh, that's the other fear. So particularly among among that group. Well, it's and it, but it's also you, you. I am expecting you to learn and adapt right now because yeah, we are exactly. going to change. I, you are exactly. going to keep your job, but I do. There is going to be a different yeah. sets of expectations. Yeah, great. Um, yeah. True I that. Just, Wanted to just mention too that um, you know we had uh, Patricia Nguyen on uh, earlier in the season, and she worked. You mentioned her as a key uh, part of the planning process for the first strategic plan, and we ha- we had a great conversation with her about working from the vantage point of the president of the systems office and do- trying to coordinate alumni engagement across the state of California throughout the universities in the system. Could you share? Because not everyone has that sort of dynamic in place from your viewpoint, leading mm-hmm. the team at UCLA. You know, what is the opportunity that exists uh, with uh, someone uh, there at the system office? And and maybe you could just share a few thoughts about that. I mean, I think Patricia, as you all know, Patricia will bring a new lens to it, you know, and she she understands the work. She's been in the work and has a really terrific relationship with with our colleagues across the UC system. And Chris, just as you talked about, you know, with with the small college thing, there's a lot of, you know, people look at, you know, whether it's UCLA or UCSD, where Cheryl is, who's also a Bruin, by the way. And, um, you know, well, we can't all be like them. Well, no, but you know what? We can share our resources. So I think one of the things that Patricia will bring to it, and we've talked about this a lot, and even talked about it during the pandemic, because uh, we had a time where, you know, John Volva, our good co- good friend and colleague at Oregon State now, did this work for a while. And when John left, there it's there's been a real break in it for a while. Yeah. And so what we did, which I think was really helpful, is I brought together the um, my colleagues across the UCs, and we met monthly throughout the pandemic. And that was really good for us because it kind of recalibrated us and uh, got us back others, to... Others described your leadership there. Thank you for the work. Would would say there was almost like a monthly therapy session. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was that. It was that. <laughs> and we need. We we obviously we needed it. And so I think that set the stage really nicely for Patricia uh, to come in because there's this thing called um, I can't remember what AAU stands for, but it's you know we have each of us have alumni presidents now that will rotate into that region position. 
And when they rotate and they, they, they bless their hearts, they want to, there's my Southern roots coming back, bless their hearts. <laughs> they want to, you know, come up with a whole new agenda for all of us. And we were like, please don't do that again. <laughs> and so we were involved in the hiring process. I was really grateful. Cheryl Lott, who had been one of been our alumni association president was the region. I said, Cheryl, I said, and we have a fabulous relationship taught her yesterday. In fact, and I said, could you involve the alumni directors in selecting this person? And so she did. They and she was she was fabulous. So the, we actually had an opportunity to interview Patricia, be part of the process, and then work with Patricia to set the goal. So I think one of the things that we'll see over this next year is, you know, what are what are programs, for example, that we're doing at UCLA that can be open to, you know, again, particularly the way we're going. Yeah. yeah. To any UC alumni. And I think Patricia will really, you know, get us to a place now that we can really transcend all of that and look at what what any one of us is doing that our other alumni, you know, UC alumni could benefit from. So she'll she'll be able to make that happen because she has the relationships and understands the work enough to do that and move away from being focused on what it is that the the, the regions want us to do, even though, of course, we'll do what regions want us to do. But, you know, we'll, um, for any regions that are there listening, but we... Um, uh, I think she'll get us to to really share the work that 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 we do, and because we're willing to do it, I think we're all at a really good place. And uh, uh, so that that she'll she'll lead in a way that will be collaborative, facilitative, and and also I think eventually get us to take on some some good issues. Uh, I think you know, Chris, you won't be surprised. I think pretty quickly once she gets through this sharing our program stuff, we'll move into the EDI space. I'm sure of that. Sure, absolutely. Um, and uh, we'll to that in our conversations. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, I think she'll, and she'll get us into place that we can even come up with a strat plan as a system around alumni work. And uh, so I think she, I was really, I think she had some reluctance when she first went into it, but I I really believed she was ready. You know, she had built what she built here beautifully. It was time to turn to share that on. Plus it was time in her own leadership trajectory to, to move into this kind of a role that yeah. will really position her to do many other things. And, and I'll say this because I know she will listen to this. And my my goal is, I hope for her, is that one day to be at her graduation ceremony when she earns her doctorate, because the girl has already written bajillion dissertations, so she's got to get one in a class. <laughs> I, w- I would love that. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you for the the insights. And, you know, as we wrap things up each episode, Julie, we we typically ask our guests to reflect upon where you find your inspiration to keep doing the work that you're doing, uh, whether it's individuals or it's uh, something you've read or continue to listen to an event you've been to, what what, uh, keeps you motivated to do the work that you're doing? Where do you find inspiration? I think for me, it's, it's because I am, you know, on the old Myers-Briggs scale, I'm an ENFP off the chart. So it, 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 it really comes from that vibe of community. You know, when you, when, I get jazzed every time we bring people together, whether it's, you know, the outcome is, is, you know, collaborative or may have some bumps around the way. But when you see people coming together in whichever mode we're doing it, you know, whether it has some fabulous Zooms, but also the in-person piece, and you get that sense of people are showing up and really present and really there for one another, uh, that just you know, and, and I'm grateful to be in a business that I can do a little bit of that every day or be a part of a little bit of that every day. So it's it's the it's the vibe of people doing good things and coming together that that really, really keeps me going. Awesome. Well, that seems like a perfect place to leave it for today. You know, thank you so much, Julie Steiner, for your time and all your work leading the industry out at UCLA. Um, Chris, great to see you as always. Thank you so much. Fantastic. And 
I owe you even more now. So <laughs> I was like, do you recall that Chris owes you two days of work? I, uh, I do. I do. Okay. And uh, we'll be chatting about that sometime in the very near future. But I um... hope, I hope it's going to come up now. I, I, you got it. That and more. I owe you. Thank you. But I'll, I'll send you the strategic plan stuff so you all can see that. And welcome to, we're welcome to share that with anybody that there could be helpful. That's one of the things I love about the alumni community. Yes. Yeah. Not that we're going to steal each other's alumni, but we, we do share each other's work. <laughs> and how...